one shot, one shot, one opportunity to bomb it like you've always wanted. In one moment, one moment, would you hit driver or just lay up? His grips are sweaty, breeze weak, hazards heavy. There's ketchup on his polo already, vodka in the Yeti. He's nervous, but on the surface he looks calm and ready to drop bombs. But he keeps on forgetting to keep his head down. His group goes so loud, he knows his next move, but his miss freaks him out. He's choking up how everybody's laughing now. The boy's howling, clubs up loud. Snaps back to the left again. Oh, there's a penalty. Oh, reload. Welcome to the Bomb Squad Podcast with your hosts, Matt Smith and Jerry Lou. So everyone can you can share it with the class. Uh, describe your living situation. Do you live in a multi-storied flat? Like I thought you just had an apartment or a nice or a nice condo or something, dude. Because nomenclature be damned, you, folks. He said he went downstairs to do his laundry, and I thought, like, do you live in a hostel? Uh, like, what's going on? <laughs> no. So, so I live in what's considered a, a duplex. So it's a a large two and a half story house. So I have the main floor in the basement. So, but when you oh. said. But when you said, I'm going downstairs, oh, yeah, you people have different floors. Like, how many floors do you have? I forgot that in a large part of the United States, that basements aren't a thing, like underground floors, because... In half the country, it's a thing. Yeah, above the Mason-Dixon line, pretty much. Isn't that, like, the line at which, like... Mostly uh, east of the Mississippi, like a lot of the older places. Yeah, colonial. Usual. Yeah, so I, I always forget, because my dad told me when we were, like, very young, he's like, yeah, like, the Mason-Dixon line, like, nobody has basements below it. I'm like, I'm like well, what? I'm like, people don't have... Leave it to you Canadians to do a janky. All the duplexes I've seen in America, they take the house and they split it down the middle. And, the, and then they build from there, or essentially, or they take a pre-existing house and, like, you know, it's not mm-hmm. exactly symmetrical, but a pretty, it shares a, an overall wall. I have never seen a duplex where they just give you a floor and then another floor that's called the office building sir yeah kind of i guess so but <laughs> it, it's it's just a very old house so it used to be one big house and it's so big enough that it's your laundry is downstairs next to the scary furnace like home alone style i get it oh yeah it's like a six it's like a seven foot no nah, it'd be like a six foot ceiling and then like in between beams it's like seven feet right because they're like one foot beams. so like you have to like duck and it, it's old school. It's like this house was built in the 1800s. So, well, very cool. I mean, and, and I can dig it because I've lived in small, tight spots like that before. Thank God you're not too tall. Uh, we got a lot of golf stuff to cover. A lot of Hawaii. We do. We do. I, have a, I have some homework I did since our last recording that I wanted to share with you. Also, and well, then I'll, I'll share with you that and then we'll start talking Hawaii golf because I got a really good question I was trying to think of an answer to today and hopefully you can come up with it. But you know how you we did the whole thing last uh, time we were chatting about. Um, who would win a major if Tiger Woods just wasn't on the leaderboard if he didn't win? I mean, obviously, that's not mm-hmm. how it would play out. Disclaimer, allegedly. But I went back right as soon as we were done recording and very sloppily because I don't recognize some of the numbers I wrote down here, but I get the gist of it. I wrote down all the guys who would have won majors if Jack Nicholas had not won a ma- had not won the major. And I can go through the list pretty quickly because I'll, I'll be 100% honest with you. It's kind of like the Tiger thing. It's not like, oh, my God, he would have had, like, 14 instead of seven. It was, like, one of those, like, oh, he would only had one more. Or, But there is an interesting name on this list who would have had uh, quite the career if Jack didn't exist. And, and that being said, I mean, you probably know the name, but it's not a 
top tier, like a, like tip of the tongue type golfer. I still didn't even look the guy up. So anyways, uh, for, we'll do this real quickly. 1962 U.S. Open, uh, Jack Nicholas beat Arnold Palmer in a playoff, which means Palmer would have won another U.S. Uh, one of two U.S. Opens and because he, he won the 1960. That's Oakmont, right? Yes. <clears throat> 63 Masters, uh, runner up by one shot, Tony Lama. Eh, Champagne Tony, pretty cool. Um, 1963 PGA, uh, runner-up was Dave Reagan, or Ra- Ragan, R-A-G-A-N, and um, uh, Nicholas won by two. 65 Masters, it would have been a playoff between these two guys, even though Jack beat him by nine shots, but it would have been Palmer and Gary Player. So one of those All two right. guys have an extra green jacket. 66 Masters, it was, um, he beat, I wrote this down wrong, he beat, um, Tommy Jacobs in a playoff. So Tommy Jacobs, whoever that is, would have a Masters. In the 66 U.S. Open, um, no, Open Championship, excuse me. In the 66 Open Championship, if Jack hadn't won, there would have been a playoff between Doug Sanders and Dave Thomas. Mm-hmm. That's uh, the Wendy's founder, correct? That was the, of the th- okay, of the three Dave Thomases I thought we went, that was the third level I was about to descend to. <laughs> I thought I'd be like, you know what? He's going to make a Justin Thomas joke or some other joke. That's, da- yeah, anyways. <laughs> Um, 1967 U.S. Open, the runner-up by four shots was Arnold Palmer. So there is, I, there's a couple that Palmer could have out there. 1970 Open Championship, Doug Sanders lost by one. Isn't that the one where he yacked that putt like he was like standing over a two-footer and he just Wah! like worse than Sam Snead? Ugh. Exactly. 1971 PGA Championship, Billy Casper was the runner-up. Jack beat him by two. Now, this is where I want you to start remembering names. Too bad it's these three. It's the 1972 Masters. Jack beat these three guys by three shots, but these guys would have been in the playoffs, 72 Masters. It's Bruce Crampton, Bobby Mitchell, and Tom Weisskopf. They would have had a playoff, those three fellas. Now, very next major, 1972 U.S. Open, Pebble Beach, the first one there. Bruce Crampton would have won. He was three shots behind Nicholas. But that would have been back-to-back majors if Jack wasn't around that Bruce was there. Jack's next major was a year and a half later, the 1973 PGA, in second place by four shots of Bruce Crampton. That's three majors in a row that Jack won where Bruce was the runner-up, spanning, granted, a two-and-a-half-year stretch. So, neat little period there. We uh, deviate a little bit here, 75 Masters. Uh, Johnny Miller and Tom Weisskopf would have had a playoff. Jack beat him by one shot that year. 75 PGA. A Bruce Crampton by two shots. So there's a four-year stretch where that man would have won three majors and been a playoff for a fourth potentially. 78 Open Championship. This is a big one. Um, I had to write the full name of one of these guys down because I don't know him, but Jack beat all these guys by two shots. Ben Crenshaw, Ray Floyd, Tom Kite, and Simon Owen. And sorry, what year was that? 78 Open Championship. Now, I believe was Crenshaw still an amateur at that point? Very well could be, because I think he was late 70s amateur. Excuse me. Hmm. Anyways, four more to go. I'll uh, go through them real quick. It's pretty simple. No, actually, three more to go. 80 U.S. Open. He, uh, the runner-up by two shots. Isao Aoki. That would have been Japan's first major winner. 1980 PGA Championship. Jack won by seven shots. Almost his last major. But he beat Andy Bean. Andy Bean would have had... uh, 
that major. I don't know how many Andy Bean, not to get confused with Andy North. And in the 86 Masters, as we mentioned before, well, I think you also mentioned like who was the runner-up to Tiger Woods in his 97 Masters. Well, the runner-up in the 86 Masters, it would have been a playoff between Tom Kite and Greg Norman because Jack won by one shot. So Seve would have been two back then? Seve was right there too, right? Until he Did he not put one in the water on 15? Well, they were all right there. I mean, to, to, when I looked it up to find out that Kite and Norman, and I guess I could be wrong, it's the end of my list, and I might have been getting like a little uh, weird or whatever, but ultimately, to see that those two guys were at the top of the list, I'm like, that's still, that's like one third of the names that were up there, those three. So, very impressive. Very impressive. Uh, so Bruce Crampton would have had a much different life. Palmer would have had a couple majors. I uh, can't help but notice Tom Watson was never runner up to any of Jack's majors. He wasn't. Now, now, was now how many how many majors was Nicholas second to Watson? It was at least two. Well, I okay, I'll look that up. Uh, well, no, we don't. We don't have to look it up. But that that's no, interesting. Well, it's only, that, that it's it, only seven majors, and I can think of one for sure. Uh, two, maybe. I mean, I forget eighty-two what it was, but anyways. Like I only know, I only know two of two of Tom Watson's seven majors off the top of my head, and I know five of them are in England. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, yeah. Or, greater parts of England. So anyways, um, want to talk Hawaii? Yeah. It's a beautiful state, isn't it? Oh, the sunshine state. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I had a question. <laughs> you okay there? <laughs> what, well, <laughs> what is, is that? Is that from the office or something? No, it's, um, it's kind of, um, remember in old school when, uh, he, Mitch is all drunk at the beginning and she's like, Somebody said something oh, about yes. We said Denver, the Sunshine State. <laughs> oh just... yes, yes. <laughs> oh my God, because I'm like, I'm like, that's totally not right. Isn't fucking Florida the the Sunshine State? <laughs> yeah, it's the Citrus State. It's the Gator State. Whatever. Um, I had a question for you though, because uh, I was trying to think. Like, let's try to expand the Hawaii swing. Like, they have one of the two tournaments is for winners only of the previous year which is why I really didn't like watching it when Tiger won because it was like a 14-guy field. I mean, it was kind of weird to watch, and Stuart Appleby kept getting exemption from winning the cocksucker himself. So, anyways, Kapalua is a fun course. It's big. The ball bounces. Uh, we got lots of great angles. i tell you what, Smitty, I played Kapalua and YLI on uh, 2K21, and I shot like 8-under and 8-under. I was not impressed with myself. Like, I, I mean, I wasn't getting all the bounces and the wind that the pros were getting. But my question to you was, if they were to have, say, a third tournament in Hawaii – and I'm not very good at knowing Hawaii golf. What tournament or what course should it be at? Is there well, any on the top of your head or any that they've had events at before, like the skin game or some shit? Well, I'm just thinking they used to have on, was it EA Sports, PGA Tour, whatever, the Prince course, the Prince course in Hawaii. And now get this. This is my first computer. This would have been early 90s. It was a 386. It wasn't even a 486. And Whoa. we had we had Lynx 386 on our computer, and I the course the and the course was Mauna Kea, which is still highly rated, I do believe. So it's got the picturesque. I believe it's the 17th hole. It's kind of like the the 16th at Cyprus, but not as demanding. It's like over lava rocks, like right on the ocean, yeah. or right on one of the bays, and, and you hit over. But Mauna yeah, Kea, I'd like to. You're mostly your profile picture that you've used on Twitter. You um you've played golf in Hawaii. I mean you've correct? No, no. Oh no, that that's uh that's Bahamas. 
Bahamas. Oh, oh, I think. Oh, I feel bad now. I think you told me that at some point because I remember maybe it was a year or two ago. I was just like, "Hey, is that the place with the palm trees of the W <laughs> where they do the Sony Open?" And you're like, "No, it's in the Caribbean." I'm like, "Oh, even better." Oh, I mean, yeah, that's actually where they hosted one of the big breaks. That's where Michael Jordan has his home in like Mariah Carey and Oprah Winfrey. It's the Ocean Club in, in Bahamas. Uh, what's that? What's that? Is it Fantasy Island or? Uh... No, it's Parad- Ep- Paradise, Paradise Epstein Island. Island. It's called Epstein Island. Jeffrey Epstein Island for the full name, the proper name. It's actually, it's actually right next door. I was wondering why there are so many young girls running around. Wow, totally off topic. <laughs> You're a real big faker there. <laughs> oh, and by the way, take that Kraken hat off, by the way. I've been trying to keep up with the team, but it is bad. We are talking about a bad... Like, I, I get why we're bad, but I mean, I don't like the fact that everyone who knew hockey a lot more than me, which is pretty much the entire hockey community, is saying, no, the Kraken will be okay. And I'm like, bullshit. I'll be happy if we make 500. We're not even close. Oh, no. They're, yeah, they're bad. They're bad. Yeah. We're, yeah. We're like, oh, we're bad, dude. I mean, this is, this is, ugh. But that just means they're going to get a really good draft pick. So it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world. Bully for us. Anyways, back to Hawaii golf. Uh, you've never played there. Um, now, see, I feel like that's why I asked you the question about where else could they host an event out there? Because I played a little golf in Hawaii. I've, I played Kapalua back in the 90s when I was a kid. Um, I played most recently at some course on the Big Island. I don't know. Was, we played two 18s there. And they, they all the courses kind of seemed the same to me. They were nice. Lots of lava rock. I'll be damned. I was surprised I didn't hit a single ball out there. I could imagine what it would happen. I mean, just, whew, that just go. You want to talk about the definition of random kicks. If you get back in the fairway, that's one in a million. I mean. But ultimately, um, I don't know, because when I look at why the Wildlife Country Club, like when I played it on the video game, granted, it's just a video game, there were some tough holes. But overall, I'm just kind of like this this course, it, this is obviously where Kevin Na and guys like that are on display, where it's like it, it might like guys like Bryson might not do good because being a big hitter, you know, could get you in trouble or something like that. So, I mean, whereas Kapalua is a little bit opposite, but like I said, not a full field. So. Um, what we're let's let's start with the uh, the Tournament of Champions, the Century Tournament of Champions. So, um. I'm trying to remember because I didn't write any notes down. So I, I did watch as much as I could. Having it on in Hawaii is very, very helpful for like in the evening trying to catch up on golf when I'm at home. So I remember I tweeted about Mark Leishman. Looks like he lost a lot of weight and uh, and he seemed to perform well because I'm, I'm a big proponent of like, if you're good at golf, keep your waistband, whatever your best golf is. I mean, that's I, that, I think that's kind of a piece of it. I mean, just like where, where you're your mass is weighted and how gravity reacts with it. I mean, that's why John Daly, when he went skinny, sometimes he, he, he was on the record of saying, yeah, when I got sober and skinny, I played awful golf. Like he just like, mm-hmm. he, he rotund and, you know, weighted so to speak. But, uh, but anyways, <clears throat> um, Oh, blimey. Who won the, who won the tournament at Kapalua? I, I was thinking Sony open like on the brain. Cam Smith. Who? Cam Smith. Oh, I'm so, forgive me. Cam Smith. Oh, Oh, Oh Jesus. I, I thought, I thought, I was thinking Cam Champ when you said Cam Smith. I'm like, Cam Champ wasn't even in the field, dude. But for, but also something that really gets me about watching these uh, the winner the tournament of champions uh, event is moreover what I pay attention to, and I hate to say this. First of all, poor DJ was in the field. That's the guy you want to see at that course. First um, time in like since his year where he took a a leave of absence. Um, <laughs> I believe that's the first year he's never won on the PGA Tour. Which is bananas because it feels like he, in one way or another, he's always around. Or maybe does the math count? No, wait, sir. Uh, uh, almost a third. No, because that was a twenty. It was played in twenty twenty one. He won the November Masters, the Masters November edition. Yeah, it's still played in the same year, but it counted as part of the two thousand. Yeah. Yeah. No, my bad. But anyways, um, 
but the one thing that I really, and this is sick of me, like usually I'll scroll through the, through the first, first two pages of the leaderboard. That's just kind of what I do, you know, keep track of this, that, whatever, see who moved the most up or down from par, so to speak. But I always go to the end. I always see who is DQ, WD, uh, whatever. But, but it's like in this tournament, the tournament of champions, I hate to say it. Yeah. All these guys won an event last year, but not all of them are going to keep their polish. I mean, and, and I'm not going to pick names here because I know some of them didn't finish at the end, but like see Luke List or like, uh, I hate to say Kokrak. He's a perfect example. That's why I never bought any Kokrak stock last year. I'm just like, no, this guy is, he's like Jason Gore-esque where he'll just show up for three months every 10 years. I mean, you can't really bank on that too much, even though Kokrak's a tremendous golfer, like top 20, top 30 in the world, I'm sure, or something like that. I mean, maybe I'm tooting his horn too much, but, but anyways, I, that's, that's something I do pay attention to is like who is still getting under par, so to speak. But I mean, par there is very easy to like someone can go out and shoot four seventy ones in a row, eight under and take last place. I mean, <laughs> yeah. It, um, you know, speaking of the, the plantation course of Kapalua, it's, it, it's a very large golf course, right? It oh, is, it's 7,600 yards. It's extremely wide. The greens are massive. Uh, it's it's a resort course and it's a it's a true core crenshaw right it it it's very inviting it's very wide you're not going to get in a lot of trouble but if you're on the wrong side of the fairway to a pin that is probably just not accessible due to slope or, or circumstance but hawaii also really relies for the pros uh to defend against low scoring on on wind and and, and the wind for the last two weeks just really wasn't there um and with that, we saw record low scores, right? So Cam Smith sets the oh, – yeah. well, actually, hold on. Let, let me rephrase that. Uh, Matt Jones set the PGA Tour scoring record first. Yes. Finishing the group oh. ahead at 32 under. Hell of a day, huh? <laughs> not bad, not bad. Uh, John, so he finishes the weekend shooting 62, 61 posting 32 under usually finishing 62 61 on the weekend on the pga tour and posting 32 under he's going to get you a winner's paycheck and a bunch of fedex cup points but uh in this case uh you know john rom and, and cam smith decided to go toe to toe uh over the weekend as well with cam smith coming on top shooting how about how about rom like i mean he was lighting the course on fire and i don't you know what i hate to say it like people are it re-sparked the debate of people saying like golf too easy for the pros fix the equipment i'm like no no has anyone been paying attention this is what the top tier golfers do at kapalua like i would actually i wouldn't mind seeing a regular tour event there just to be like the cut is going to be something kind of crazy it, it's funny because leading up to the tournament too I, I remember this just for one particular reason is that you know they they asked justin thomas about the golf course um and he goes yeah it, you know without the wind it's not much of a challenge it's pretty short is what he said like he used the word short mm -hmm. it's it's 7600 yards now it's par 73 for the pros which is you know, usually they're playing 72, 71, you know, majors usually around 70 or 71. Uh, but 73, obviously, you got a couple extra strokes, so you're going to go well under par. But 7,600 yards for 18 holes is not a short golf course. Now, of course, there's a bunch of elevated tees on par threes, par fives, and par fours. Like, they've got, I believe the 17th hole is like 540 yards now, and the guys are hitting like eight irons into it. Um <laughs> <laughs> but but it's true like you can't defend a, a soft wide golf course right on the pga tour like the guys are just so good especially when there's no wind yeah. um it, it, it's like going to st andrews right when it was there in 2015 it 
you know, the, the wind for three out of the four days was basically not there and it was wet. Like, of course, yeah. everybody's going to tear that apart. Um, there's just no defense around a soft golf course. And, and I got to thinking, you know, earlier today, unfortunately for the PGA tour, they're, they're putting this product on TV that sets a bad example of these extremely, you know, lush green golf courses that always play soft. Like, you know, they're also playing lift clean and place there at Kapalua for the first couple of days. Well, it's not like the golf course was, was extremely soaked. It was just soft, you know, let the, let the guys, you know, have that little thought in the back of their head that they might get a mud ball. Right. Let's, let's hear the conversation that they're going to have. Um, I, I truly believe that, you know, they, they set up these golf courses a little too easy for the pros because they don't want to upset them. Well, you know what? They're, they're professionals. Golf is not easy. We get, you know, I don't know about you, Jerry, but when you play at band and dunes, it, it it's not like they set it up easy for everybody. They want no. everybody to have the full experience. And I think, I think pros, they, they need to, unfortunately, you know, grow a pair and in the case of the PGA tour and, and, and live with the conditions. It is what it is. Let's make it as hard as it can go. Well, and I certainly, and I want to stick up for the golfers, the employees of the PGA tour, mostly in that I don't think they have a problem with that. Like whatsoever. I mean, no, nah. But all, absolutely, absolutely not. And also, some aside. You, speaking of like setup and conditions, because like yeah, when it comes to like old Mac and Pacific Dunes, and I can speak directly to Pacific Dunes because I'm a uh, uh, friend's high school, former high school. Well, for, used to be in high school. We're not former high school buddies. We're whatever. He's the assistant soup over at Pack. He's a local boy, and uh, he's a big Twitter uh, Twitter account too. Because there's a lot of guys in turf Twitter when it comes to uh, uh, when it comes to that realm i mean definitely they, they love sharing cool. ideas right and it's very yeah. hard to do that when you're in different twitter spheres but but like old mac and pack they will at least look at the forecast for they to see what direction the wind's blowing or at least how mm -hmm. strong case in point number four at old mac uh the um number one handicap i've seen it before not lately but when we have a real strong south wind, they will take all the tees except the tips and put them up above the bunker where the orange tees normally live. So, you know, when we're always saying hit over the steps, down the fairway, whatever, they'll put you up top and be like, okay, now this is 370 yards, but it's still a big wind in your face. So mm -hmm. but they, they used to do that. But And then on the flip side of it, whoever's been uh, setting the pin zones on trails, uh, I think they got a concussion about six months ago because they have not been corresponding with just the simple one, two, three numbers that they give us, uh, which sucks because out of all our courses out there, abandoned dunes, packed dunes, and trails are the three courses where it's uh, front, middle, back, front, middle, back, one, two, three. Whereas Old Mac and Sheep Ranch don't even bother grabbing a pin sheet. They're all over the place. I mean, it's crazy. <clears throat> so, oh, speaking of, I did play uh, play last evening at Sheep Ranch. I saw that. I saw that. I, the weather, you know, of course, it's January and well, here we had minus 20 last week and, and now we have 20 centimeters of snow. But uh, yeah, what's the weather like out there? Because it looks like you're getting some good days and obviously some not so great days. But yesterday looked like a beauty. Well, probably about the time we recorded around two weeks ago was when we were just wrapping up a big shit two weeks of, or a month of like storms and bad rain or whatever. And since then, since like January 3rd till now, we've had two days of overcast with a threat of rain and what and today was one of those two days but the rest have just been no wind and utterly glorious i mean <clears throat> yesterday we played sheep ranch we were just 
dicking around. I, I couldn't putt to save my life. Something went haywire because I was putting real good. I had some Canadian boys come down uh, that I caddied for. It turns out I'm friends with one of them. He's one of my original Twitter followers. And uh, he comes down. They haven't been down because of COVID. So it's been two years since their trip. Mm-hmm. And uh, he comes down with like five other guys and they're all PGA pros in Canada. And they're all like originally from Edmonton, um, but they're all like Western located now. And uh, I played with him at the preserve one of the days because I only carried for him in the afternoon rounds. And Murray's a great guy. Like, you know, he, he's got like real nice golf clothes. And like, he's, I think he's got like a $10,000 one of a kind Scotty Cameron putter. And that's a replacement because his shit got stolen out of his car or, or his car got stolen or whatever. So long story boring. I played the preserve with these guys. And on, uh, I probably only played the preserve like three times in my life, Smitty. And then walked it once drunk with a friend while we were watching some people. Yeah. I just don't get out to the preserve ever. Hmm. And on the ninth green, I canned a 20-foot birdie putt that won nine skins. And on the 10th green, I canned another 20-foot birdie putt. And on the 11th, I almost did the same thing. And these, we have a little joke amongst caddies when it comes to Canadians. We love you guys, but um, Canadians aren't uh, big on tipping. That can that can, that can go with other things where it's like, yeah, they know how to stretch their dollar. They prefer to save their money. It's not like, God forbid, like one of those like uh, quintessential Jewish jokes or like hoarding money jokes. It's just like somebody said, a Canadian caddy friend of mine said, you know what the difference between Canadian and a canoe is, right? And I'm like, what? And he said, a canoe tips. I'm like, no, that's funny because you're Canadian and you said that, but don't do that. Don't do your people like that. So, so I wound up winning like 57 bucks off these guys at the preserve and they were friendly and whatnot, but man, did they not let me forget about it? And I was sitting there going, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I'm a seven handicap who can three putts. I mean, I don't know what else to say. So um, I played preserve twice this year. And then I played Sheep Ranch last night, which I wanted. I really wanted to just get out there and start swinging the driver and stuff. And the driver is back. I was hitting the, it off. Fi- the five wood or the driver. Both. I I was hitting off the deck where I shouldn't. Like on the very first hole at Sheep Ranch, I smoke one down the middle, and then I'm just like, it's a par five, dog leg left down to the water. And I'm just thinking to myself, I don't know what the yardage is, but it's definitely more than my three or four iron. And I don't want to overswing, so let's just let's just trap and pound that driver. And I hit this low little draw it like rolled up to the hole. And if it would have rolled a few more feet, it would have been an albatross. I shit you not. I had like an uphill 12 foot putt that I had a tap in birdie to finish with. And then we were on 11 at sheep ranch, par five going up the hill to the snack bar. And um, I'm sorry, you haven't played sheep ranch. Happy the volcano know. hole, right? Well, it goes up into like, yeah, into its own little area. And I uh, hooked the hell out of my drive into the trees. Bullfrog found it. I was able to kind of get a seven iron on it and advance it like 10 feet in front of me, just to the edge of the fairway, but I was out. I was on a hillside with the ball like two feet above my feet, tight lie, looking at the green, don't know what the yardage is. I'm just like, well, do I hit a pitching wedge here? Just fuck it. I grab the driver again, and I just like above my feet, I'm like, just aim way right and hit one of those hooky pull things or whatever. And when I hit it, I hit it so hard, and I looked up right away and went, oh, no, I don't see where it went. Like I started, and I and, and if I didn't went anywhere but up the gut, I was in trouble. So I'm sitting there watching, watching, like, oh, I don't know where it went. And finally, I saw the ball come down, and it was right on line with the green and the flag rolling up and over the hill. And I'm just like, oh, thank the – like, and Bullfrog's like, you were like 260 out, uphill. Like, and I was like, yeah, and I had choked up onto the shaft of the driver and just hit the shit. <laughs> but I, I have two – Every 20-footer I had, I blew like 10 feet past the hole. I just couldn't – I had stone hands. I have two questions for you. Mm. Next, next time you see Eileen, can you say hi for me? Eileen. Oh, evidently Patty this morning saw her again on trail and they were yes, like he's saying like Trixie's at it again. I'm like, well, I guess this is a I'm hearing it's a boy turkey now too. So I don't know. I don't know anything. <laughs> still still calling it Eileen. Uh second, how did Bullfrog get get his name? How do you get how do you get a nickname Bullfrog? I he told me it had, I think it had something to do like when he was born and like the song was 
being played or whatever when the family got together. I don't know. There's something, <laughs> something as, as something as like uh, I like as like surface level as that, really. Yeah. So just very, very early. Okay. It's, fair it's fair enough. Buddy, it's not like my buddy from North Carolina, Justin Eller, his nickname was in the service, his nickname was Hip. And I'm like, that's a really kind of a cool name. What's your what's that from? And he told me when he was born, his grandfather saw him come out and he had so much hair, he's just like, the kid looks like a goddamn hippie. <laughs> It's like I'm hit for short. It's because he was born with a bunch of hair. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Um, so one thing though, going back to the scoring overall, um, for the uh tournament of champions, I mean 34 under par. We're gonna get to a point where I mean I'd like to see 36 under par or better because that means you are literally birdieing more than every other hole on average. I mean, or getting under par to a certain degree. I mean, can you have any bogeys and still shoot that score? I mean, it's god. It, or you, if you have a bogey, you must be having 14 birdies around. I mean, well, here's the thing like, so coming off the, the calendar year that John Rom had, right? Like a, a banner year, top, like a crazy amount of top tens, top threes, everything else should have been player of the year in my eye. A major, um, is John Rom the new Tony Finau? No. He just can't, he just can't do enough to win. He's always there. He's always kind of knocking on the door. The U.S. Open. I mean. Oh, yeah. Sorry. John Rahm wins tournaments. Yeah, that's a bad comparison. Sorry. Okay. I'll, 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 give, you a, I'll give you a pass on that because you look genuine like you weren't trying to be funny about that because I'm like, uh, John Rahm, sure. But, I mean, John Rahm's got, like, he's got multiple wins and stuff. I mean. I think he has as many wins as Mike Weir now. Oh, really? <laughs> Mike Weir has, what, like seven PGA Tour wins? I bet you John Rahm has the same. Mike Weir doesn't have seven PGA Tour wins. He's got like three or four. Counting no, man. Back. He has a lot. How many Canadian Opens did he win? None. Well, that doesn't help because I could have I could have thought he'd won one or, one or two or no. something. He has eight PGA Tour wins. Get out. Yeah, man. So do he, you realize that like with his Masters, like if he had two or three more PGA Tour victories, he'd be in the PGA Tour Hall of Fame probably? probably man he has a masters he's got two la opens played at rare a masters and what oh that's actually Sorry? incredible he, that's incredible that he has the riviera wins now i don't know how long the course was playing back then but it does speak to that course plays better for lefties see bubba watson i mean there's just something about some of those courses and steve flash i think steve flash won there too but uh he also won that he won a tour championship and the wgc american express like he has some big wins like he didn't he didn't win a bunch of like bah, tournaments other than the Air Canada Championship over Fred Funk. Like that, that was his first win. But oh god, now you're really rubbing my nose in it. <laughs> but uh, you best. But, but what were you talking about? I got off track once I start talking about my career. Uh, yeah, God bless you. Um, how's about Patrick Reed still demonstrating that PXG does not know how to make a driver head? I mean, oh. it to Ryan Moore back like 13 years ago. Doing pretty good, but at Kapalua, he couldn't hit it more than 284. I mean, it's that was like it was like anti-boom baby. Like it was like it's like uh, Jim Furyk was chuckling somewhere. I mean, it's yeah. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what's going on with that signing. I, I like I, I can see it happening, right? Because PXG, they're not they're all about splash, right? And sure. Yeah, he doesn't have much of a stable of uh, pros anymore. Not to say they did. Like Billy Horschel was their man, and I hate to say it, like now's when you want to buy stock in Billy Horschel, even though he broke my heart seven, eight years ago. I think he's a uh, 
he's creeping up into like you know dark horse territory to pick for a major per se i mean yeah i don't know who they've got left do they still have lydia ko on the women's I side ask hopefully they still have their um their uh lady golf contingent because i mean they had some they had some very very good pros but pxg changes uh sponsors pretty quickly too or like uh or players pretty quickly which makes me wonder it's like well they never really had like a uh um uh, like a bullpen to begin with so to speak i mean like they, they yeah, strike but- like hunter mayhan or like uh or uh chris riley would have been like headlining if uh, pxg was around like 15 years ago you know what i'm saying like i mean and maybe chris demarco like in his last few years would jump on or something like that well get them. all ping guys that was rude <laughs> whoops <laughs> I was just Hudson Hudson Swafford now plays PXG. Okay, but you know what? He's he's Harris English Light, and Harris English is the light version of everyone else. Maybe that's who I was thinking of. But so, so it, it's kind of funny going to their their list of pros. Would be a PXG, wouldn't he? Yeah, totally. Is that guy, is that guy like boarding on like we take a category of like golfers? We'll just call him greasy. Where it's just like I think nobody likes him, but nobody talks about him. Like he's not even. Any like level of knowledge of like oh everyone's like oh here he comes into the room but it's like when I look at Lucas Glover I just like I like I feel like I just I'm like oh like I'm looking at Eeyore or something. It's like it's like him, Jim Herman, and uh, Tommy Ganey like throw them in a room and just be like. <laughs> well, now see, I'm not going to defend Tommy Ganey because other than the two gloves and the hooker recently, I don't know too much about him <laughs> and the big break. But like like th- that's the funny thing about Harmon though is because he's. He is so unsuspecting that it's just like, but like you see him on Twitter being pretty funny about like how he's essentially every tweet he has is like hashtag PIP, which is like, <laughs> he's getting a chunk of the race, but I mean, it, it's, he's got a sense of humor, but you just look at him and ironically, he's the twin of a really funny comedian, that guy from Practical Jokers. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? It, it's funny, like looking at their website. So I'm looking at their list of pros and, and like other than Zach Johnson and Patrick Reed, like it's really a bunch of oh, Kokrak's on there too. It's, it, it, oh God, it's not, we'll say Jason Kokrak. Oh no. It, it's not a bunch of A-listers. And then I go down to the LPGA and, and to be honest, the, the top four they have listed, not that great. The, the only wow. one I'd, I'd put any stock in is Celine Boudier. Um, oh, oh, anymore? I mean, I feel like we probably talked no, she's bullshit about a long time ago, but yeah, so Celine Boudier, she's French. She's young. She's on the, the victorious Ryder Cup team. Um, but then you scroll all the way to the bottom and you get to their brand ambassadors, which of course includes... Nancy Lopez. Gary Player. Oh, really? Oh. Well, uh, I mean, it's... Yeah. It, it, I don't... God, I... PXG is funny to me because it... The, well, now, the more I learn about racing history, the more I realize this analogy is totally false. But it feels like if Ferrari was trying to get into the NASCAR game now, or like, but not saying NASCAR back in the day, but it's like Ferrari, all companies used to compete, but now it's funny what they represent in terms of like the consumer sense. So when I look at PXG, I honestly look at some of the finest golf equipment that's out there, or at least what they used to do a few years ago, because now it seems like they've jumped the shark. And they're like, all right, well, we have a cheap line too, but you're going to have to guess which one you bought. <laughs> I mean, so ultimately, like, I want to see better pros play PXG. Hell, I want to see PXG win majors. I really, really do. I, I, it's just, but there's something about not saying who they sign or how good or bad they do. I was really hoping you'd say the ladies, they'd have like, oh, four of the top five in the world are playing PXG. I'd be like, well, maybe that's PXG is a girls club. Maybe we need to re- redefine what, how the spit, how it spins off the, the club face. So then like, is, and who's hitting it? What speed? I mean, I think they really go for kind of that, that, mid-market strategy like either it's a a, a 
former like top shelf name that's kind of fallen off like a like a zach johnson like the billy horschel at the time um hold on real quick because zach johnson's a tough one because granted we haven't heard or seen much of him lately but he is a two-time major winner both times were in very i don't dare i say dubious conditions where his little piddly ass can like in the rain hit just like everyone else but i mean still mm-hmm. he's a two not a one time not a zero time a two-time major winner yeah you know very fair um it's either it just seems like they just look for value and and i don't want to say like shock and awe but they're like oh wow like you signed zach johnson like he's a two-time major champion it's like well yeah but he's also at the end of his career and really isn't going to compete any longer but he's that household name like they just try to like latch like got, on to that name fans like he's got it like in where's he from iowa like you you can't yeah, mid- go into those people Mm-mm. exactly no no totally and not that's a bad thing, but I mean, ultimately, I don't know. I just, I feel like PXG, I'm starting to think to myself, like in five years, are they going to be around anymore? And in 10 years, are we going to say, hey, what was what happened to that company? And then 15 years would be like, we won't even remember it. I mean, what what is the, I like the fact that they strike me as a very, it's like Sega Genesis to the Nintendo or whatever. It's like, look, we have this new cooler, hipper, but the same thing kind of to compete with everything else. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, but since you've been around, other than your customer base per se, which is pretty loyal and you have a great infrastructure. You do strike me as a very modern company doing all these modern things, but at the same time, what do you have results and what do you have to show for it? And you're stable. Yeah. What doesn't help them too, is they started as this extreme niche, a super expensive, super high end manufacturer. And now they're like direct to consumer. That's probably why I give them still too much credit Smitty is because I'm still thinking of when they started. Like I'm still mm -hmm. that's that, that whole that whole thesis, so to speak. I mean, because now, obviously, whether it's been hard times or not, I mean, they're promising good delivery, good customer service, blah, blah, blah. I haven't heard any problems. But all of a sudden, overnight, during one of the New Year's, like they were hit with a tax levy or something, their prices got cut in half. And they had very expensive clubs. And the, and I like the fact that they also have a program, because I've seen friends of mine who are veterans. If you're a veteran, they have a very serious discount program for you to get clubs. I don't know if it's the best stuff, but... Mm-hmm. You know what I'm Oh, excuse me. Oh, that was a burp. Excuse me. I was afraid I was about to hack up a lung. Ugh. So yeah, sorry. Read PXG. I mean, I did. I wouldn't have thought anything of it. I noticed it just like everyone else did. But somebody did mention it right away where he like how far his like strokes gained off the tee or with the driver, how far it dropped. And I didn't have the energy to be like, look, I told you so. It's because, well, back when I noticed it at the first place years ago, I wasn't on Twitter with this account. So I, I can't really be traced back to me being like, yeah, PXG makes some real shit drivers. I'm sorry. They, they really always have like, and I've always thought of them as an iron company too. Cause when you tell me ping, I hate to say it. My mind two thirds of the time or more goes to putters. It really, really does. And they're not even the best putter company either. I mean, they're just, I, they're, Dare I say they're like the poor man, Scotty Cameron, because I've owned tons of ping answer twos, but I've never owned one Newport two. I mean, there's something to be said for that. I mean, you can find a ping answer two at a garage sale. You will not find a Scotty Cameron Newport two at a garage sale, no matter how dumb that widow is and no matter what price tag she puts on it. I, I wish I could find more of them lying around. I did buy one of mine for 150 bucks, but yeah. No, that's it. If you hunt for one now, that makes sense to me for what I know, how much they cost and like what you're looking for. And I know what you like. That makes sense to me. And I get it. Whether you're a collector, putter connoisseur, like my boy Bones or whatever, where I mean, God, he collects putters and uses them like he's, 
like poaching wild game with like tranquilizer darts so he can ride him later in his backyard. Like he doesn't want to kill him and mount their heads in the wall. He'd like to be like, Oh, this is tiger's putter, but I'd never use it. He'd be, I mean, he would use something like that to be like, Oh no, he buys, he buys gamers. Absolutely. It's it's like classic cars. Do you want to just look at a car sitting in a garage or do you want to experience it and drive it? Right. Cars (laughs) analogy is perfect because I feel like, because it borders much on the exotic line like all these putters that bones shows me they're like two three thousand dollars from cameron i look at it going like well this looks like a one of a kind because why would he mass produce this fucking ugly looking head looks like a klingon warship or something like that i mean and these are cameron's mind you so but i don't have to tell you 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 are the scotty cameron expert out of the two of us especially when it comes to neurotic ownership so is there anything else to the one thing i would want to talk about before we move on to the sony open is um what kind of years cam smith gonna have i'm let's let's not even look down the leaderboard because the next one is john rom and you already picked him to win a major and i might have too i'm looking yes i did um but ultimately you picked him to win i picked him to win too anyways doesn't compete to your speed for four god i wish you knew you were doing that i would have i would have nailed you to the wall so hard i would take a more cow every time you you hoser anyways um what kind of year does cam smith have i mean He's always a good golfer. I, I'll as as you rebut with me here. I will look up his results in majors because it'll be pretty quick and easy to do. But Cameron Smith obviously has great game. Like this guy has. Uh, I I don't want to say I haven't seen him enough because I feel like when we see him, it's when he's doing really good or like in the President's Cup, and he's only been around a few years per se. But at the same time, I don't know where his shortfalls are, Smitty, or what. What, do you, what kind of year do you think he has? Do you think he could win a major this year? Because we talk a lot about Cantlay, we talk a lot about Shoffley, and we talk about Morikawa, or I do. And uh, who? What, what was the other one? Um, um, Hoblin. Hoblin. Well, yeah, okay. So I got my Morikawa, you got your speed. But, I mean, I feel like we got that little bubble of guys who's going to burst at first, Shoffley, Cantlay, or Hovland. And are we not giving Cam Smith his due? We're not. What, I, 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 complete, I, I completely regret not having him on on a list of of champions um for the majors this upcoming year like it's he's kind of one of those guys that just kind of sneaks under the radar but is super consistent sneaky good and when i think of guys that grow up in the sand belt right i think of slick greens i think of creativity needed i think of firm golf courses and what screams major championships more than requires world-class short game firm golf courses like that's going to be your major championship so I, I do regret not having him on my list for 2022 because I I would not be surprised one bit if he competed at multiples and I definitely would not be surprised if he was a major champion in 2022 okay now pump the brake real quick I understand the whole competing aspect whatever but be perfectly honest with me two weeks ago before we, when we recorded last before we saw any of the Hawaii golf uh, and the winners and whatnot. I mean, I'm still saying this. I would Cam Smith would have come out from the corner, like a three point shooter. And either he would have hit me in the eye and give me a black eye or drain the three, like one of the two words, like who had him, where did he come from? I sincerely mean it. I, that's why I'm saying I'm not giving him. I don't think not giving him his credit because he's certainly a great golfer. I just keep forgetting about him. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe Cam Smith, is about to hit the Tony Finau level, maybe. And guess what? Cam Smith is going to be the next, like, cart to pass Tony Finau's cart, if you think about it. I mean, in terms of, like, he's about to, like, he's drafting, he's going to lap him if he keeps playing this way. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. I still have all the hope in the world for Tony Finau. It, it, but it's but I don't like saying the sentence 
because I've seen it happen tragically to personal people around here who are with golf or whatever, but those people who are, they're just too good to like, to like for that, for them not to succeed. Like I always wanted to be that guy where I could roll out of bed and be a scratch golfer, but I don't have a competitive edge. So it'd be like, Oh, what if Jerry was competitive? Oh man, he might've played some college golf or been a plus handicap or something or whatever, but he's just happy being scratched and screwing around. It's like, yeah, that sounds like paradise. I'm sure anyone would say that who's a 20 handicap said, I'd love to sit around on the beach and be a 10 handicap. I mean, we all have that thing we strive for, but ultimately like, sorry, it was a little Tony Finau jag. I mean, it's like, he's too good not to remain our punching bag. That's all. I mean, it's that, that guy has to break through. I love hating on him, but I'm not really even hating on him. I'm, I'm the, I'll be the first one sitting there to not tapping my toe and not looking at my watch and I'll hug him when he runs off the green for his first major. I'll try to be the first one. I really will. Now, interesting. One interesting thing you said there was, you know, local guys having success. And one thing I wanted to touch on was the fact that Tim Tucker returned to the PGA Tour this week. He did what? He was a a sub note. I mean, for for who it was, he quit because he was. It was physically too much for him. He built a beautiful house in Colorado. He started a new business in Coos County, and he's not even here to do to like to do anything with it. I never trusted the dirt bag, but I mean, who's he? Okay, who's he working for? He's working for a Canadian, not left-handed. Is this how you know? Right-handed. He's uh, on the bag of Adam Svensson, PGA Tour. I, I believe he's a rookie. I, I think it's his first full year with full status. Uh, he had two wins on the Corn Ferry Tour last year. But yeah, he was on the bag. And uh, at the end of at the end of the wraparound year there, so like the fall series events, um, who was who was Bubba's old caddy? I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but uh, Bubba's old caddy. Sorry. Wait, I, Bubba's only had one caddy that I know of. So if you say former, this is news to me again, but Ted Scott was his caddy. Yeah. So Ted Scott, they split up at the beginning of last year. Oh, um, Bubba and, and Ted. Um, but Ted Scott also caddied for Adam during the God, fall series. That would have been a major. That would have factored in. Oh, I scratched out Bryson for Bubba. I don't even want any of those. T- oh, I'm going to ask for, I'm going to ask for double points and I'll just take Brooks and DJ for the PGA. Fuck. Um, might as well add Cam Smith in there too while you're at it. But no, I'll just take more cow. You can okay. You know what? I tell you what. You can take Smith, and I can take more cow. Deal. 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 Okay. Deal. Which which major is that? That's the uh, that's the PGA Championship at Southern Hills. Um, look, because because I asked, and I and I, I pitched a fit, and and I'm obviously pitching a fit for it now. I'm leaving Bubba on the list. Just because, because I I demanded I scratch Bryce now and put Bubba or put like, like stars to... around him. You know what? No, screw it. I'll take Bubba off. I'm putting more. No, no. Why don't why don't why don't we I get a bonus pick? pick? I get three picks. All right. I get three picks, and you get four. Ooh. That's why I'm saying I'll you you get Cam Smith, and I get to throw more cow in there. And who cares about those carcasses that I couldn't decide on the, the only scratches i have on this paper were bryson and bubba's name in the pga that's it everything else is like set in stone so let me write cam smith for you love it right perfect okay great you know what i consider yourself absolved you got cam smith on ink and paper now so uh well, let me get this out of the way that was obscene um anyway sorry we were talking about um getting off the tony Finau jag and just wanting him to do good um cam smith he's incredible so the Sony Open, 
Um, I, I saw how it ended. I tried really hard to pay attention more so than other tournaments as it went along because really, I don't know why I have such an interest in that tournament because it's always been the Sony's Open, maybe. It's, uh, it's always been at the same course. It's produced a weird amount of winners. Incidentally, Kevin Na tends to do well at that course, which I hate to say it. it Kevin Na is a, is a very superb golfer, but he... Oh, and this is a terrible analogy, Smitty, because the comparison is to one of the greatest at his position. But he reminds me of like Greg Maddox, where he won't overpower you with a fastball. In fact, he might not even hit a ball above medium trajectory all day. Like he's a slow, low ball hitter. Like he hits Kevin Na hits the ball low, doesn't hit it far. And to me, that just screams change up. That just means like, oh, this guy has a certain style of play, but it works. I did see a, a statistic, I wish it was in front of me, that said who had the most. 62 or under rounds on the PGA Tour. Tiger was up there. Half the names are kind of funny, but I mean, Kevin Knott was right up there. And part of me is like, that's right. Like he does, when he gets it on, you just want like a little Bernard Longer stinger game going on all day or whatever. Like not to say that's how he plays, but that's how I kind of picture it in my head to be like, well, how else does Kevin Knott play? This guy's hitting it low and not long, which that means he's not hitting the ball hard ever. (laughs) I mean, think about it. It's very interesting. The the Sony Open at uh, Wildlife definitely sets up for a shorter hitter who putts extremely well. So, like you said, Kevin Na, perfect prototype, like a Zach Johnson, right? Like guys like that have a history of winning on this golf course. Um, oh, and also, side note, shout out, Michelle Wee competed in this event. She did. She did. Um, Not, only two ladies, three, I think, total that have ever attempted to tee it up with anything. It was we, it was Sorenstam, and then it was, I don't want to say... Abe Zaharias or somebody? No, there was there was this gal who did it right before Sorenstam. Susie, Susie Whaley? No, it was somebody you wouldn't know. That's I'm, I'm not trying to be like, I'm ignorant or I don't know because it's an obscure lady golfer, but it is, it's one of those things where it's like, hey, what's the name, name of that lady civilian who died on the Challenger? You don't know, but you know the astronaut's names or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Something like that, where just like, oh, she was, she was the first to like really get up there and slug it with the guys, which I always thought Soren Sam would, and I think she did within the next year, much to the chagrin of I was really disappointed in how Soren Sam didn't keep up, considering I think she's one of the finest golfers of all time, not even just because of her gender or who she played against, just in terms of how she golfed the ball around. Annika Soren Sam is, whew, I think I'm getting, I might get a little emotional here. I'm kidding, but um, but yeah, I mean, I I know you're looking it up right now, but it was Michelle who. Annika Sorenstam and this other lady. Susan, Susie Whaley. It was Susie Whaley. Oh, so for our dozens and dozens of listeners, the few who are really hip to golf history, who are just punching their phones and yelling at me really bad. I actually feel double bad because Susie Whaley, I think is like been, she was elected president of the PGA. That's correct. And Jennifer, my wife, she's a member of the PGA. She gets the publications or whatever. I love, like I I read everything on Susie Whaley. She's, I can't believe I thought it was like somebody like completely obscure. Like you were going to give me a name there. I'm just like, yeah, like uh Patty Jacobson. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Uh, not, not well, really Jacobson. like that. Well, it, there, there must've been four. She was the, it says she be, in 2003. Oh, in two, in 2003, she became the first woman in 58 years to qualify for a PGA tour event. Okay. Then she is definitely the one that I am misremembering because i'm not thinking of anyone back in history i'm sure babe zaharias in some exhibitions whooped up on some boy ass big time i mean that's she was oh yeah god she was an olympian i mean and then she golfed i mean are you kidding me that was hello (laughs) 
That's so a great, anyone listening who has who does not know who Babe Zaharias is, don't know, don't ask me how to spell it. Look up that story. If you can find a documentary that's less than sixty minutes, fucking watch it. It is. She's she's kind of like I look at her. I hate to say it, like because uh, this other athlete might be considered a lot more glory in terms of uh, athleticism in an American sense. But Jim Thorpe, same thing. Where it's just kind of like, who is this person? I don't know, but he's good at every single Olympic event. And then he went and played baseball and football. Like I mean, hello. Susie Whaley, she she kind of worked in the gray here. This is interesting stuff. So she qualified for the 2003 Great Hartford Open yes. by winning the 2002 Connecticut PGA Championship. Now, she did that winning the 2002 Connecticut PGA Championship by playing a forward tee from all the men. So she played at like 62, just over 6,200 yards. The men were playing at 6,900 yards. So then they, they instilled the, the, the Whaley rule or the Susie rule is what they call it. The Whaley rule. I've heard of it before. Whoa. Yeah. Now get this as well. So it looks like at that point in time, now she wasn't like a PGA tour or PGA pro yet. Um, while at UNC, so University of North Carolina, she played on their golf team. And in 2003, ESPN described her as, quote unquote, a 36-year-old club pro who briefly played on the PGA to LPGA Tour. So she did play on the LPGA Tour, um, but basically it was like, it looks like a semi-pro basically went back to school and then played on their golf team as well. So um I, I am looking at now it, it says that there's also a link for um, see also female golfers who've competed in men's PGA tour events. So Annika Sorenstam, Michelle, Wee, Susie Whaley, and it was babe Saharius that also competed okay, in the okay. event. So I'm still not to say I'm still dubious. I'm, I'm learning so much about Susie Whaley that I didn't know, like from, I guess I only know her like 2015 on, I mean, and I gave her the full respect that she is because I know what she's done in the industry ultimately but but in the end it's just like i didn't well do I you, to, you know I, I need to backlog and do some research here do you, do you know what i remember most about tiger's uh, uh press conference like so so when you win the masters you get the green jacket and butler cabin but you also in front of a lot of delegates from the world golf organizations you also have a presentation on the 18th green um for like invited special invited guests and and delegates from different golfing um organizations um and that was the year she was president of the pga of america so looking like they're they're watching tiger and it's starting to rain right because they moved the tee times up to to get around that storm that year in 2019 like right behind Tiger during that entire um, press conference uh, and, and green jacket ceremony out on the 18th green at Augusta national is Susie Whaley. She's like right there. I do. That's like one of the, that's really missed that. Yeah. That's one of the big things I've always taken away from that is uh, Susie Whaley's mug just right there behind Tiger Woods. Well, good on you, Smitty. Um, I remembered uh, one last thing to look up. Uh, we can put on at the end of the show here, but uh Winner of the tournament. I mean, other than there wasn't really anything else to talk about. I mean, Kevin Nah threatened to go low, but then he kind of petered off. Uh, that's what, the only reason why I mentioned him earlier. I mean, and he was a heavy betting favorite going into it. He just always is for tournaments like this. But I mean, there wasn't really too much. I, I tried to scroll through the leaderboard going, so who here went to Hawaii for just one tournament because you weren't in the tournament of champions or who came for two tournaments? And other than Mark Leishman, I couldn't find too many guys who played in both events. I mean, they're really. Yeah, 
Well, there there's many of the of the top ten, right? The only one that uh, top, top ten, but what I'm saying is not guys that played at Kapalua. Yeah, no, no, definitely. And Cam Smith played, but I, I think he missed the cut. And went home. Peace. He yeah, said, "I'm out of here." Because the cut was like four under. Oh, hence yeah. oh, Kapalua and the scoring is whatnot. Well, look, Wiley and Sony was the same way. So what are you gonna do? Screw it. I don't care. Yeah, the interesting thing was, you know, going into the back nine on Sunday, Russell Henley had a five-shot lead. Oh, wait a minute. Whoa, say that sentence again. Hold on. I, I knew I knew part of that going in, but he had a five-shot lead going into the back nine on Sunday? He had a five-shot lead. Whoa. I, I Okay, so I knew he fell off, but I didn't know it was on the back nine. On yeah, so, so, so on nine, Mom's sorry, was it five or four-shot lead? It was four or five. Um, so Henley ends or sacks, dude. I mean, so so Henley finishes his front nine on Sunday going birdie, 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 eagle on six two nine. Okay, he had built a well, he finished at 23 under and he was one over on the back nine, so he was 24 under making a turn. And Hideki was four under on the back nine, just stepped on the gas, maybe. He was four under the back, so he would have finished at 19 under going into the back nine. So, so Henley had a he had a five shot lead entering the back nine and didn't make a single birdie on the easiest hole or on the easiest course in the PGA Tour. So, so I guess I I apologize. I was under the impression that Henley choked it away or something. But when you said his final score, I'm like, oh wait a minute, that means he just went ice cold at the worst possible time. See Dallas mm-hmm. Cowboys. And then next thing you know, like the rest of the field catches up, a la the '86 Masters, and like exactly, the field surges up, and then and, and Jack is just like like a horse amongst horses riding amongst them. And then he just rides for a couple lengths further. <laughs> exactly, but at the end of the day, what, what we're going to see here is Hideki. This is such a textmark Hideki win, and the fact that we talked about the Masters last year, right? And that it is an Iron Striker and a putter's golf course, right? Oh, I see where you're going with this. Oh, good call. I didn't even consider this. Keep going. <laughs> this is this is a golf course that historically rewards great iron striking and great putting. So you're now, saying he's place tied for 10th. <laughs> now, I don't have his, uh, his strokes gain statistics for iron, but in strokes gain putting, he was middle of the pack. So strokes gain putting... Um, the leader was 1.8 strokes game putting, and he was only 0.8. So he's a full stroke behind huh. in, yeah, in uh, strokes game putting. So I just kind of found that very strange um, that basically, wait, performance. No, was he 1.8 for the week? Sorry, I, I'm just getting my stats mixed up here. The the PGA Tour, unfortunately, the website and the app has not been functioning very well over like the last oh, month. Oh, freeze the freeze. Come on. It, I, it really I, and I only look at it for the leaderboard, and it, and it rarely functions for that. It's a simple function. Exactly. But uh, but truth be told, if it's, if it's an iron striker and apparently a putter's golf course, and Hideki's just going to say, screw it, I'm going to hit the ball so well, that putting doesn't even need to come into the equation. True. All that. I'm glad you brought that all up because that's very important because the only thing I was thinking about Hideki's win was on his playoff hole. Didn't he stick it from what was the yardage? He stuck it to like a couple feet. 
277 yards. He hit it's like three feet. I take it it was a three wood? It was straight into the sun, too. So he hits it. No, looks no, at, he, looks, no go ahead. He, go ahead. He, he looks back at his caddy. Like the, he, he follows it for a bit. It apexes. He just turns back at his caddy and, like, I don't know if it's audible or obviously like Japanese or something, but he kind of like said something and oh, then no. he just looks and no. then he just looks back and the ball lands, it rolls out to like three feet. Meanwhile, Henley's chopping it. He skulls a hundred yard wedge over we call, the green. We, call it, we call it pulling a Louie. Ooh, easy. I got him to win the British Open this year. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you're a nostalgia son of a bitch, aren't you? <laughs> a little bit. Hey, horses for courses. Right. Oh, God. Um, yeah, that's what's failed us three quarters of the time. Smart man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, put that on your DFS and smoke it. Um, yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it, it, it's one of those things. It's like, okay, Hideki has proved himself to be such a good ball striker that when he's on, it doesn't matter about his putting. Like his, his putting is obviously not historically strong, not statistically strong, but he can overcome that because he is such a good ball striker. That's real, how scary it is. Real quick coach's corner. And this is on Hideki, but I'm going to ask you, Smitty. All the clubs in the bag are different. Everything from my 64 degree wedge to my super short five wood driver. The faces are different. The lofts are clearly different. One would think that you can't have the same exact swing for every club. I want to argue that as much as I can, if you get the right kind of motion down, then maybe it really doesn't matter. But in the end, my opinion, and this isn't my point, my opinion, I think you have to have a different swing for each club. I mean, it's like there's a clear difference between a wedge and a fairway wood when you're swinging. Air consistency, which is what we strive for the most in golf. I really feel like Hideki's that one guy and it's not just because of his pause at the top but when it comes which, to mechanics, which which is no longer there okay he no longer pauses but that wasn't the point my point is I've never seen and I've seen a lot of golf in my life mostly bad but even some bad repetition can result in the same thing and you can work it if you're smart enough or somebody's watching you a la what I do for a living Hideki strikes me as a guy where he looks like the one golfer who has the same swing for every club like, so when he hit that three wood, I remember looking at it distinctly. I'm just like, I had to, that's why I had to double check the yardage. Cause I'm like, well, was that a five iron? Cause the way he attacks the ball, his posture and his angles are just so perfect. I like to think he might be the one guy, say for the driver who breaks the mold where it's just like, mm-hmm. Oh my God, this guy is probably just thinking seven iron when he has every club in his hand or any club in his hand. Now, what do you think about that? What is there any credence to anything I just said there where obviously like I said, like I started off saying it, I'd like to have one swing thought or think I could have the same swing for every club, but whether that's the truth or not, my whole point was Hideki looks like he's the one guy who's mastered that. Yeah, I, I think you, you definitely has, it, it, it carries something, right? You, what you said in that, you know, we always, when a player thinks about his golf swing, he wants to just have that one, that one thought, right? We should, so I know, yeah. I know you know in a certain way, but I mean, ultimately, whether it's me, the higher handicapper, the not scratch golfer, whoever trying to strive for it, Bobby Jones said it best. I mean, he, he said, if I have one swing thought, I'm, 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 I'm uh, breaking par, shooting under 70. If I have two swing thoughts, I'm struggling in the mid-70s. If I have three swing thoughts, I'm not breaking 80. Mm-hmm. 
and I remember in high school, even when I was playing bad, I tried to limit my swing thoughts. So where it's just like, just get good enough, get mechanical enough, get your muscle memory down enough. So where you just have to think, clench your abs or start with your hips or this with your right hand. Just what the fuck ever. Just one thing, just one thing. And right now I hate to say it. I I'm down to thinking about still really two things, but luckily they're at the same part of the swing. <laughs> no, I, I, I totally get you. And I think it's very valid and very true. I think the simpler the the brain is and the quieter the brain is obviously the better you're going to play, especially a game like golf or, you know, it's even like hockey, right? Like to take it back to then, like, let's say you're a, a very offensive player. So let's say you're like, you're an Alex Ovechkin, you're in a goal scoring oh, yeah. uh, slump. Yeah. So now you're like, fuck, like I, I really got to shoot the puck and I, I really got to create goals. And you're forcing that. Meanwhile, maybe what you need. And then because you're not scoring goals at that time, you're like, okay, well, I got to be better defensively. So now you're trying to focus on, on the defensive zone. And now you're doing things you're not used to doing and you're not comfortable. Right. Same with the golf swing. If you just keep to what, you know, a, a feeling of comfort um, and, and something fairly simple or hopefully very simple um, that it's only going to lead you up for success. So yeah, that's, that's a good, that's a very good point. That, well, that's a great point you make because when it comes to a short game for a lot of golfers, I don't caddy for on the regular or it's my first day with them. If we're in a certain chipping situation, and don't get me wrong, you're talking to a guy who has five wedges and when I'm chipping, I'm using three of them and sand wedge is the highest loft. Because I know how to bump it, but I mean, at the same time, it's yeah. like, I, I don't do everything in the book, but I try to describe it to people. So I'll go up to a lot of golfers and I'll just be like, what's your go-to chip right now? What's your go-to? Say eight iron, say pitching wedge, say sand wedge. And then tell me if you want to go low or high. I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like, what's your go-to right now? Just what, what, mm -hmm. I, I want you to think about the least amount of whatever possible and be like, oh, well, I really like the pitching wedge. And this guy's a 20 handicap and be like, okay, here's your pitching wedge. See where I'm pointing. Just hit it right up to here. That's it. I mean, that's, that's such a good point. And it, it takes me back to my abandoned memories because when I'm chipping well, I can pull my 50 degree wedge and, and I know where it's going to land and where it's going to roll. I like to call it my 50, 50, 50. So it's my 50 degree wedge. I'm trying to, I'm trying to fly it halfway and then I'm letting it roll out the other half or like a lob wedge might be, uh, you know, on a chip or a pitch carry 75 or 80% roll the 20. And I know when my feel is down, when I'm, when I'm clipping chips properly with my 50 degree and letting them roll to the hole, I know my hands are on. I just know I'm dialed in. So that's a very good point that you make. Like it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be something complicated. It could just be something as simple as this is my go-to. And when I'm dialed in on my go-to, usually the other clubs around that and the other shots around that are dialed in too. So I, I think that point is perfect that you made. That's, we that's all awesome know, stuff. We all know what we want to do. And I guess mm -hmm. let's just keep it in the short game realm and not talk about the whole golf swing or game or whatever. But when it comes to short game, folks, we all know what we wanted to do. Very few of us can impart English or action on the ball to make it spin when you're chipping. I know mm -hmm. we all want to, we all have the equipment to do it, but guess what? Regardless of whether I'm saying like, oh, it's too hard for us to do, how about we not do it? How about how about we just like think about it like this? Take it from the guy who's not the bump and runner, just skank an eight iron up there, pick your line, and just I mean, just I don't know. I'm not a bump and runner and, and I rarely do it, but when I do. That, those are the shots I know I'm not going to hit good, but I'm just like, you know what? Just, just hit, just go over here and just hustle skull it just a little bit. I mean, I could probably do it with a putter, but I'm just going to do it with this instead. I, I don't know. 
I could I could go on about horror stories of people in their short games constantly. Um, before I uh, this is about a little longer than a podcast should be. Um, before I bring up this one thing that I forgot to talk about, which we want to talk about before we wrap up the show uh, about Cam Smith. Um, anything else you want to talk about with Hideki and the Sony Open or any wrap up? I mean, other than Henley not doing much and then Hideki rising above, there really didn't seem to be any overarching thing going on which is why i love yli so much i mean it's it's very unsuspecting i'm waiting for something crazy to happen or not happen but i mean that's golf i mean these guys still went out four rounds and played all the same i mean for everybody's on the island man they're just trying to relax and have a good time oh my god oh my god you cabin fever is getting the best of you sir hey at least i didn't turn out to be an irish russian accent trying to do jamaican or something Wait, have I done that? No, I've done that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, I got to ask you real quick. It might be a dumb question because I think I know the answer, but um, where was the 2015 U.S. Open? Was that Chambers Bay? Was that Jordan Spieth with uh, DJ Three Wiggling and everyone putting a lot on the 18th hole? Yeah, because Jordan won the Masters. He won the U.S. Open, and then he almost went for the three-peat at St. Andrews. So, yes, that was 2015. So the last thing I, I want us to talk about before we wrap up, and I had this pulled up and we got we deviated a little bit, but I looked up Cam Smith's results in majors, a la Wikipedia and this uh, chart that I like so much. And he's very young. He has there's not too much to look at or whatever, but his very first major appearance ever was that Chambers Bay US Open, where he took a tie for fourth. Wow, he did. There is no LA or like low amateur or a little number there or whatever. Tie for fourth. He didn't play in the Masters of the British Open that year. Tie for 25th, the PGA Championship. So his first two majors he played in. How and help me out here. Can you look up how old Cam Smith is? I know I looked up before or whatever, but uh, uh he's currently 28. He's born in 93. Cool. That's that's about a year or two younger than oh wait. Oh, he's the same age as my cousin. Cute. Um, he's uh I thought he was like 31, 32, but whatever. No, I mean, still says nothing to like him hitting his groove or whatever, but ultimately. I don't know if you're looking at the same sheet I am. So the very next year, played in only two majors, the Masters and the U.S. Open, took a T-55, T-59. Okay. 2017, didn't play the Masters, didn't play in the U.S. Open. Open Championship, cut. PGA Championship, cut. Now let's jump ahead to the next calendar year, 2018. Masters Tournament, tied for fifth. I remember that one. And then he got cut from the U.S. Open right after that. 78th place in the Open Championship, which I hate to say it, Probably is dead last if you think about it in terms of like if you make the cut and that number's that big. Sorry, Cam. And then a T56 that year at the PGA Championship. And then now his last three years, he is in his last 12 majors, well, 14 if you want to count them, he got cut once and there was no tournament. He really likes Augusta. He has mm-hmm. a tie for second in 2020, tie for 10th in 2021. Other than that, nothing really splashy, nothing spectacular. That's why. I, I hate to say it, I forget about him. I'm not saying he's forgettable. I forget about him. I mean, hell, dog, look at Greg Norman. He has two majors. He would have four if two people didn't hole out with incredible shots on their very last hole against him, needless to say, or whatever, but not trying to, like, identify the best Australian golf or whatever, but it's like, whoa, we got Greg Norman, Adam Scott, uh, uh, Cam Smith. Oh, I know I'm forgetting is – I get my South Africans and Australians mixed up in this. Uh, was uh, Thompson or Locke? One of, one of them's Australian. One of them is uh, – South African, and I, I uh, Bobby Bobby Locke, South African. 
So Peter is, Thompson, Peter Thompson's Australian. Yes. Okay. No. Was Peter Thompson Australian? Or is he yeah, also Pete, South African? No, I think he's like English. Was he? No, 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 no. See, I think, I, and the only reason why I'm bringing it up, folks, if we have one or two. Oh, see, board, yeah, Peter Thompson. He's Australian. He's Australian. God, Peter what an idiot. Thompson was such a good golfer that they banned him from the Open Championship, didn't they? Like that. No, was, that, that was Bobby Locke. Oh damn it! In the PGA ah, Tour. I'm getting my stories mixed up. Shoot. Well, but Peter Thompson's got a pretty good story too. Like he's he's, he's got, got like some five five majors five. Does he have five opens? And they were like four of them were almost in a row. Like that's what he 54, was 55, 56, 58, 65. Hey, all right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And then and then in 52, 53, and 57, he was second, T second, and second. So we went his his first. Wow, I didn't even know this. His first eight open championships. Well, well, fuck it. Let's look at his entire open career up until 1971. Do it. So this spans one, two, three, four, eight, nine, 19, 21 open championships. Guess how many top tens he did not have? Five. Three. Dude, that's like Yogi Berra shit. Like when you look up like how many strikeouts he had, you're just like, oh, he had like nine a year. You're like, nine a year? I mean. Sorry, 20, yeah, 21 open championships. And he finished outside of the top 10 three times during that span. This is why I bring up Mr. Thompson is because regardless of the era, we – I, I like to try and identify the best as us all current golf fans do. We try to identify each nation or each area's best golf or whatever. And I, I've always had Greg Norman as our Australian golfer or whatever, but Peter Thompson, the, the second you recognize this, excuse me. Oh, Rick's situation here. Mm. Ugh. The second you recognize his career and really dig into it. I see the look on your face right now. It's one of whimsy. If we have any Australian listeners right now or any golf uh, historian uh, listeners right now, this is the respect that you need to pay to Peter Thompson. It is very, very, very. And you're sure Bobby Locke was the one who was like banned because he was so good at putting or something. I mean, ah, fuck. See, yeah, I swear he was so God, good. They banned him. On the PGA Tour. Thompson that was banned for that. Okay. No. All right. Well, between an American and Canadian, I'm not trying to get too, uh, too uh, like we're internationally hip or whatever. The whole genesis of this was to look up Cam Smith's, uh, stats in the majors, and he is uh, so Cam has played in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, fourteen, eighteen, twenty-one. Cam Smith has played in twenty-one majors, and he's only been cut from three. Mm-hmm. Not too shabby. Yep, I think I know who I'm going to take in my master's pool this year. Peter Thompson. Rest in peace. <laughs> God bless. <laughs> Smitty, is there anything else you need to say? We need to uh, wrap this up. I'm all good, buddy. I'm all good. No, don't you want people to follow you on Twitter? Like, we got more Twitter followers than listeners, but, uh, you know. We That's still, true. Well, That's after, true. We have to have some production value here. We have to have some semblance of, was that a gnat or did he have bad breath? What was that? A uh, piece of dog hair just flew right in front of my eyes. Sorry. Oh, no, great. Yeah, everybody can find me on the Twitter machine at Bomb Squad Matt. I'm I'm big into turkeys and 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 following golf related uh, Twitter feeds. Well, Trixie, I, and shout I out, shout I out, I, Eileen. 
Share it with Eileen. Eileen, as she's known on this show and in Matt world, is a celebrity now. So that's been fun, Smitty. I'm sorry uh, to everyone who um, had to wait for us to record. You didn't let us know, as usual. I mean, so whatever. Uh, but thank you. And um, you can find me on Twitter at Jerry Lou Looper and at Ben Nunes Golf Resort under the same name, minus the Looper. Jerry Lou, comma, Looper. Shaken, not stirred. <laughs> All right, it's good chatting with you, brother. Same to you. Same to you. And uh, go cracking and bombs away.